In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Hillgate The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, market to people. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're just going to kind of roll with it and talk about, you know, just what's going on in the world of college football. Had, um, you know, a coaching change over the weekend, a bunch of coaching rumors that didn't come to fruition. You know, we were able to keep Dan Lanning. So we're just going to kind of roll with it and talk about some dogs football. All right. I want to talk about all that stuff, but homie. All is not well on Rocky Top. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I mean, some of the statements, well, first off, the firing statement, like the letter they released, dude, some big wow. language in there. I mean, wow. it was, um, I, all, I, all I kept thinking about was that, that meme from, uh, what is it from? What was the show with John Hamm? Mad Men. Mad Men. Isn't that the one? Not yeah. great, Bob. Not great. No. no. <laughs> so no, well that, put. That, that, that made me laugh a little bit. But um, also, I don't know how much you followed up today because we've both been we both been working throughout the day. But did you see the statements that Fulmer made at the press conference? I, read the room, man. Read the room. Someone tweeted that out. And I was like, that's like tweeted a meme out of that. And I was like, that is perfect. A perfect Horrendous. Like, I, like, yeah. Like, hey, hey Phil. You could have made one of 7,000 comments, just not that one. <laughs> also, for any, for any listeners that did not hear what he said, he was asked by a reporter, could you comment on, you know, what, what did go well in the Jeremy Pruitt era? <laughs> he says, well, the recruiting was good. <laughs> hot start, Phil, hot start. <laughs> So, yeah, that I mean, that is just a dumpster fire. I, I mean, God, it, it's bad enough to be a Tennessee fan on a normal year and have to wear that horrendous orange. But to be one right now, oh, just bad news bears, brother. Like, I do not envy that situation at all. And, I mean, it's at the point now, too, where who, who would take that job? I can't think of anybody. I mean, you got to think about a lot of people turned down, well, reportedly turned down the Auburn job. None of those people are going to come in and take now take the Tennessee job. Napier's not going to take it. Clark's not going to take it. Chadwell's not going to take it. Part of me wonders if Steele was brought in knowing that Pruitt was going to be let go to take the job. Because that was such a weird, knowing what was going on and allowing Pruitt to higher steel that was such a weird situation it makes me wonder if that was the plan all along but then that was if phil was staying but with phil now leaving as well with air quotes retiring let's face it phil was not i said last week you know that phil was the problem to begin with the, the problem started with phil and it rolled down to jeremy i mean jeremy was a problem but phil was a problem as well but with phil leaving that 
and AD is going to want to hire their own guy. So I thought with Steele coming in, maybe that if Phil stayed, that that made sense. But now with Phil leaving it, none of it makes sense. All of it's just a dumpster fire. I got, I got two things. If the plan is ultimately for Fulmer to retire, why on God's green earth would you keep him on for the search for the replacement? Like if you are in leadership at that school, like if you're the chancellor, you have to make a clean break to send a statement out. Number one, that you're not going to tolerate whatever has happened. And number two, that this is a legitimately fresh start. And look, man, I would just run the search without an athletic director. Like, just forget it, whatever. And because this whole song and dance with, oh, Phil Fulmer's going to stay on to help with the hiring and then he's going to retire – I just think the message that sends is ridiculous. And also, if you have to hire a new GM or AD anyways, and the whole deal with, oh, we want to have an AD in place because we want to see that the synergy is going to be good between the new coach and the head of the athletic department. Well, that doesn't matter anyways, right? Because Fulmer's going to leave. So that piece of it is just so stupid to me. Like, I, I don't understand that at all. It makes zero sense, but it is the most Tennessee thing on the planet to do. So it, it, it works just fine. Uh, that is so on brand for them. My other thing, is, independent of any of that, if my job as either the chancellor or the athletic director at the University of Tennessee was to find the next head football coach for our university for a return to Providence, my plane would head one place and one place only, and that is straight to the Twin Cities, and I would walk my happy ass directly into PJ Flex's office, and I would put a blank check down on his desk, and I'd say, Coach Fleck, you fill it out however you'd like. Just get on the plane with me back to Knoxville. Because I think, number one, he has proven over and over again that his message works and that he gets good kids. I mean, dude, he was winning at Minnesota. Like, he's made Minnesota quasi-relevant in football again. So if he can do that there, you telling me he can't bring talent to Knoxville with the history they've got and the facilities they have and the SEC brand? I mean, dude, that would be my one and only stop. I wouldn't even call. I'd just take the jet and go straight there. Like, but they're obviously not going to do that because they've got Phil Fulmer running the show and it's going to be a zoo. Like, I – I mean, it's, it's fine for me. Like, homie, as a Georgia fan, I love it because this just ensures that they are not relevant for another five to eight years. So, awesome. We'll just take that win every year. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as Phil is there in any capacity whatsoever, no one of any relevance is going to want the job. And yeah. this just shows the lack of – Common sense, really. I can't think of even a better term. Just the lack of common sense of the leadership of, of the university to have him still there. And I can't even remember who started the press conference, but said that they were just as proud of him to a former today as the day he held up the crystal ball. I'm like, uh, really? Come on. Yeah. Come it's, on. it's ridiculous. Just, also, just stop I, blowing smoke. I, I'm going to say one more thing about my PJ Fleck idea. And you know my brain is always going to try and do like marketing promotion for stuff like this. Could you imagine if they hired PJ Fleck 
And for his introductory press conference, they had it at the docks of the Vol Navy. And for his entrance, they had him coming down the river, rowing the boat. Oh, come on. I mean, it writes (laughs) itself, brother. (laughs) That is marketing genius right there. If any athletic departments out there are looking to hire somebody to spearhead their marketing efforts, give your boy a holler. I'll help you out. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I really don't want to gloss over this. I absolutely buried the lead on this, folks, because our man boss has undergone a visual transformation. Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, my boy has been working beard to end all beard for at least a year. And it is an epic, epic beard. I mean, just great flow, great flow all over the face. But he also has got the man main working to an absolute supreme right now. I mean, just a handsomer Tom Cruise from Last Samurai. I'll just put that out there. But he shaved the beard down into a goatee. I mean, he's looking like 18-year-old boss back when we were still wearing the pads in our glory days. And I'm loving it. I'm feeling good about it. I mean, I'm always sad to see the beard go, but it's still an excellent goatee. Make you me make blush, a, man. Do you want to make a statement on your visual transformation? Well, um, happy wife, happy life. You know, I've had yep. it for had it for 15 months, and she is not a fan of the beard. And um, the fact I was able to keep it this long through quarantine and everything was a miracle. So. I made a deal with her that I would keep it until March and I didn't do anything stupid or anything, but you know, I was like, you know what? It's a random Tuesday and I'm just going to shave it off and surprise her. And Hey, you know, I had a good night out of it. So I'm not going to (laughs) complain. Oh, I love that. I love that. We were just going to leave it right there. That is a perfect (laughs) note to end that on PG. PG. Um, So yeah, I, I am the only bearded brethren left here. I've got a half bearded brethren with me. He'll be back. He'll be back by G-Day. We'll put it that way. Yeah, it'll be back soon. No question. All right. So you alluded to this. Let's talk about uh, the coaching stuff on Georgia's staff. So first big one, lot of smoke around Dan Lanning possibly going to Texas. Some, some outlets even casually hinting that it was happening. And I texted you and was like, hey, man, um, how much fire is there? with this landing smoke and you were pretty optimistic. I felt like about him not leaving, which I was, I was happy with. Um, And obviously he comes out and tweets, let's run it back, which let me just tell you, that was just an excellent announcement. Like I was so fired up at that announcement, like probably more fired up than I should have been um, on a Twitter announcement from a defensive coordinator, but nonetheless, I was jacked up about it and which also I, well, we hope ensures Schumann's going to stay on too. I know there's been some stuff about him going to LSU. Uh, So I guess just give me where your head at was on all that stuff. And then we'll transition to coach Warren's departure. First off for landing the the smoke. I'm not going to say there wasn't smoke that, that the smoke wasn't real, that there wasn't, I don't know if there was ever an offer with Texas. I don't have any inside information on that from anything um, that I read and everything that kind of seemed to came out afterwards. There was real interest there from Sarkeesian um, to bring landing on. He was not, I don't think he was the first choice. I think um, golden golding, um, how, whatever the guy is from Alabama. I think that was the first choice. And 
I think Laning was the second choice and or somewhere along there. I know that from what I've read that there was conversations and that if there was going to be an offer that Texas could off- obviously offer a buttload of money because Texas, I mean, Texas is one of the richest programs in the country. Not saying Georgia doesn't have the money. It's because of the Longhorn Network has unlimited supply. They just, you know, they can outbid anybody on anything at any point in time if they want to. It's just, that's fact. That's not, you know, not blowing smoke there. But it made no sense when we first, when you first texted me about it, because I, I was just busy at work that day, so I didn't have a chance to like read about anything. And I hadn't been on Twitter to hear about it. It makes no sense from a career trajectory to leave Georgia when you were on the path to being a head coach sooner rather than later to go make a lateral move when realistically, let's say the, the room, the scuttlebutt was, is that if Texas was going to make him an offer and, you know, some people had said they did that they were making going to make him an offer for around 2 million a year, which would be a $750,000 race. That's a sizable chunk of money. Okay. Still a lateral move, but $750,000, you can't no state income tax in Texas. You can't laugh. You can't, you got to think about that. Okay. So that doesn't mean that there's no announcements been made, but if, if an offer was made, Georgia can always counter. Not saying they'd match that, but they could make a sizable jump for him not to have to uproot his family, for him to still work with Kirby and Schumann, which he has this great relationship, and obviously it works. So it made more sense if Georgia would throw some more money at him for him to stay and still be on that trajectory to be a head coach. Because honestly, right now with where Texas is, that sets him back probably two to three years to be a head coach. At minimum, because Texas, I mean, they're not in a full rebuild, but they're in a soft rebuild at best. Do you think Kirby's history had anything to do with the wisdom in him staying? Because I do think it provides a compelling example of what Dan Lanning's path could look like if certain results are achieved. It definitely doesn't hurt. I mean, he was on Saban's staff for what, 14 years before he got the Georgia head coaching job. And yeah. he had, he, and it's well known. It's well documented now that smart was offered the DC job before Pruitt and Saban talked him out of taking it and said, wait a couple of years, that job's good. That head job's going to come open and you'll have a shot at it. I'm not saying that it's going to be the George job that's going to come open, but we've seen high profile jobs come open this year. Yeah. Well, so, I guess that's that's more of the question is, number one, I think all assistant coaches want to be head coaches, maybe outside of Brent Venables. He seems just fine being the defensive coordinator at Clemson. And, hey, more power to him. He's a national champion. He's getting paid a ton of money. Um, and I think probably at a certain point with families and whatnot, you just get comfortable, and I'm cool with that. But I think for a young guy like Lanning, the ultimate goal has to be he wants to be the head guy, right? So – then I think the question becomes, I would say, as things currently stand, dude, the D.C. job at Georgia has got to be top three or four D.C. jobs in the country, don't you think? Just from a recruiting perspective, what they're doing with facilities and what their trajectory and opportunity looks like from a national relevance perspective in the next five to ten years. I think it's, I think it's got to be right there. And they're real close to being, I think, top two just because of the recruiting backyard that they have. And they're in the SEC, right? So yeah, 
I, th- I think it's a very attractive DC job. Also, I think the secondary question becomes, what is his ideal head coaching job? Does he just want to be a head coach? So like he would go take the job at Southern Miss and nothing's no. anything wrong with being the head job at Southern Miss. I'm just saying, or is he waiting for someone to say, Hey, we want you to come be the head of a premier program. And I think it's probably the latter, right? Well, I think it is the latter. And this isn't me saying, I don't think that Laning is capable of being the head man at a premier university, but I don't think that a premier university is smart enough with the leadership in place of where those jobs are going to be open next year to come knocking on Laning's door. Because unless there is an absolute just disaster, the premier universities just in the SEC alone, there's not going to be a job opening at Tennessee next year. There's not going to be a job opening in Auburn next year. I mean, maybe Kentucky, but I don't think that that's a premier job. No. You know, F- Florida, I mean, who knows with Mullen, what Mullen's going to do, but I think Mullen's there for, you know, the next five to eight years. Like I told, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I think he's going to, he's going to turn this year's success into a long contract extension. So I think you're looking more at a big 12 school or a big 10 school. And you're looking at one of like, you're looking at the third or I don't think you're going to get one of the big two out of those conferences. I think you're looking at three or four in one of those conferences. And I think he wants to stay. I don't think he's want to, I don't think he wants to go out West. I think he wants to stay closer there so he can still pull from the South. And also don't, don't discount him potentially going um, to one of the bigger group of five schools and making a name for himself there as a head man there. You know, it's all, he could always, you know, if Memphis comes open, he has history there. He could always go back to Memphis. Luke Fickle is going to go get a bigger job. If he continues his success in Cincinnati, if Cincinnati comes open, um, Laning could go there. You know, it's, there's going to be other group of five head coaching jobs for, for the big, the big schools in the group of five are not this, they're stepping stone jobs now, but they're still attractive to coordinators who have aspirations to get those big time jobs. If those big time jobs aren't available. So this is less a question about coach Lanning, but just more of kind of like a thing that sits in the back of my mind, but, and not that I think it's anything imminent or real, but you know, times, times change. And he's certainly extremely young. Do you think if he has his way, Kirby will coach his last football game in Athens, Georgia, or he'll coach his last football game somewhere else? If this is up to Kirby, Kirby will will coach his last game in Athens. So you think he'd stay – he'd go out like a Bobby Bowden or somebody like that, right? He will stay in Athens as long as Athens will have him, in my opinion. I don't think he has any aspirations to go to the NFL Um, uh, with the way the league is with the way the college game is changing. It seems that it's becoming more and more, you know, NFL like now with the portal. Now I'm not saying that in 10 or 15 years when he gets older, you know, Kirby is the way he is relates so well to kids. And I don't think see that changing now that may anytime soon. Now when he's in his sixties, that may change to relate to kids, you know, when they're, you know, 18, 19 year old kids when he's in his sixties, but 
for now, I don't see that changing. Yeah, I am of the same frame of mind. I tend to think the only thing that would get him out of Athens would be an NFL job. And I'm with you. I just don't. And I mean, look, I don't know the man, so I, I have no idea. Right. But it just doesn't seem like that's his doesn't seem like that's on his vision board. Right. Like, I just don't think that's something he sits around pining for is to coach in the NFL. I do think he loves the developmental aspect of it. I think he loves to coach and I think he likes to recruit, man. Like, I think he's really good at it. And just as human beings, we like to do things that we're good at. And so I do think he would miss that piece of it a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a valid, valid piece. I, I'm of the same mind as you are. I think unless the Georgia administration goes crazy, he'll be in Athens for a long time. And I think he'll be successful for a long time. And he could be become the most iconic coach in Georgia's history. Like naming buildings after him. Maybe, I mean, I don't know what they do. You know, they named the, the field after Coach Dooley, so – what are they going to do if Coach Smart wins a couple of national titles? Like, they have to name something after him. Become Sanford Smart Stadium. I'm cool with that <laughs> if it does. Yeah, yeah. I, think I don't sounds know. Kinda, I think that sounds kind of good. Yeah, S squared Stadium. I don't know. It's I mean, uh, I, it's going to be interesting. But I just, I'm, I was just curious, kind of what you thought about that because that's something I, I have thought about back and forth about what. Because I mean, dude, he's young. If you think about it, like in the grand scheme of things, especially from a coach's perspective. What's saving? 70, 70? What's what how old is he? 72? Is he older than that? 70, 71, 72, something like that. What is Kirby? 46? Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, let's say he coached a 72. Dude, he <laughs> I mean he could be in Athens a long, long time. I do want to go back to the uh the laning thing real quick. Cause a lot of people, once the the once the rumors came out that laning that Texas had offered and that Laning was going to take it. Of course, the next thing came up of who was going to replace Laning. And the, oh my God, the rumor mill went nuts with that. So I want to give my opinion on Muschamp real quick, just so we can throw that out, throw that out there. I do not foresee Muschamp coaching in an on-field role for Georgia. I know I made a comment on last week's podcast that that was a possibility. In my opinion, he could come as an on-field role if it one became available. After everything I've read since our last podcast, I do not see that happening at this point. I went back and did a little research on him. He has been coaching in college football now for I think like 18 straight years, either as a or 19 straight years and um, either as an assistant coach or a head man. And with at this point in time, I think he wants to have an off field position, enjoy, you know, spending time with his kids, both that are, you know, one in high school, one as a walk on quarterback in Georgia and just relax and enjoy his buyout money. I'm not saying it'll be, you know, I think he'll be, I think he'll be back on the field maybe in a year or two, but not this season with what we're going to talk about next with, you know, the D, the defensive backs coach job opening. I don't see him taking that job either. Oh, like, no. I, just I mean, uh, that's a hard no. There's, there is no chance that Will Muschamp is the defensive backs coach for Georgia. I will put a mortgage payment on that. that yeah. uh, there's no chance that that happens. Um, and he shouldn't be. Like, that's I, – I think you want a guy in the coordinator role who's still looking to eat a little bit, who ain't, 
who ain't exactly yeah. full. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, he's still a little bit hungry. Well, when Kirby took the job, I thought that Champ would have been the perfect guy to take the job. Not nothing against Mel Tucker, but because he had just been let go by Florida. You know, Florida had let him go what two years prior at that point, so he was trying to rehabilitate himself. So I think that it was it was a good time for him to to get that to take that position, and then he got the South Carolina job. So obviously that was a better job for him. And obviously, you know, I me mean, he's getting a what thirteen million dollar buyout or whatever it is this year. So I mean, it worked out well for him. He got a ton of money to, you know, drive South Carolina into the dirt. But Champ is a, a hell of a defensive mind, and he's going to end up somewhere, whether it's in Athens or not. But I just – when Laning eventually does leave, I don't see it being Champ being the def- next defensive coordinator unless Schumann takes a job somewhere else. Schumann is being groomed to be the next defensive coordinator for Georgia fellas. That's yeah. just – that is what is going on. And unless someone poaches him, that is what will be – he will be the next defensive coordinator. Yeah, that's why the landing thing. I mean, look, I, I would have not wanted him to leave just purely from a continuity perspective. I think continuity is always good, especially when it comes to recruiting and, and building a program and all these things. But I mean, I think the obvious choice there is going to be Coach Shoes going to roll in and be the DC. I mean, he's already the co DC, and I don't know. I he's he's just impressive to me. It and makes so, too much sense. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's just a no brainer. Um, so I, I wouldn't have wouldn't have been some huge letdown if Coach Landing had left. Uh, I think it would have been interesting just because it would have been a lateral thing. Uh, well, I, I don't even know if you can call it lateral. I mean, dude, Texas is not Texas anymore. I I don't know when we are going to stop dancing around that. Like, when was the last time they were any good? Like when you said, "Oh man, I wouldn't want to play Texas." Dude, it's been a long time. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a lateral move career. I mean, it's not a lateral move career-wise. Like you're saying, it's a step down. But it's a lateral or upward move financially because they can offer more money than, like I was saying earlier, because they have the money to pay whatever they want. Yeah, that's fair. And And really, they haven't been relevant since they got the Longhorn Network. Really, they haven't been relevant. I mean, look, let's be serious. They haven't been relevant since Colt McCoy hurt his shoulder in the Rose Bowl when Alabama won their first national title with coach Saban. I mean, that's just, what was that? They 08? have not been relevant since then. Oh nine. I think oh nine. Oh eight. Was it oh eight? I guess I it was oh eight. Oh nine. Oh eight year. Oh nine. Rose Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's exactly right. So, I mean, dude, that's <laughs> 12 seasons. Yeah. Crazy. I, I just, I don't know when we're going to stop this song and dance that Texas is some, I know you can't discount the history, and I don't think anybody would argue that they are one of the most historical programs in the country, one, and two, one of the biggest college football brands in the country. I'm not denying any of that, okay? What I'm saying is they are, to me, they are the Michigan of the Big 12. Like, when are we going to stop living in this fantasy that Michigan is, is some, like, relevant contender? They're not. They stink, capital S. So – I don't know. I just, the narratives are always so funny to me. And I think some of it is historical, right? People grew up with those programs being good and they so on their insides want those programs to be good. It's the same way with USC, man. Like the media approaches USC the same way. They so desperately want USC to be good. And like, they're just not Nebraska. Same thing, man. They're all just, they're just not what they were. 
And I don't know. I think USC and Texas are a little different. But with Michigan and Nebraska, I don't know, man. I just don't know if you can recruit those sectors of the country the way Bo Schembechler did or Lloyd Carr did or uh, Tom, Tom Osborne did. Like, it's just – it's a different animal now. I mean, you're telling me if I am the best running back recruit in the country, I'm going to go spend four years in Lincoln, Nebraska? Mm-mm. Nope. Sorry. I mean, I ain't got nothing against Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm just saying, if the alternative is I get to go to one of the SEC schools or go to Ohio State or go to Oregon or go to Clemson, <laughs> I mean, easy choice, brother. <laughs> That's an easy choice. Or since we're talking about Nebraska, let's, I mean, let's be realistic. Or Texas or USC. I mean, that's how far down Nebraska is right now. Let's yeah. be realistic. They're below schools that we're talking about are really down right now. Nebraska I is think, way down that list. I think USC and UCLA could both be really good programs just because they're in LA. And like, I think that's, that's kind of its own selling point. Like, you just tell an 18-year-old kid, hey, man, come out to L.A. That's where all the actresses and stuff are. All the parties are. You get to play at the Coliseum. Like, and then if you're UCLA, you get to play at the Rose Bowl every Saturday. Like, there's a lot of, I think, cool selling points. And, oh, by the way, the weather's perfect. Yeah. So, a lot of cool reasons, I think, to go to those schools. And both have great history. So, I think those schools could recover a lot quicker. And I think Texas is probably in that same boat. Everything you hear... And I know nothing about Texas's program. I don't know anybody associated with it. But everything you hear from all the analysts that do know stuff about it is that they've got a leadership problem, not in the football program, but on their board. And until they figure that out, they're just going to be their own worst enemy. And I think that's way easier said than done when you get into those power dynamics and that money and that stratosphere. Uh, That's tough to sort out. Like, I, did I, did we talk about that Florida State article? Did we talk about this? That mm-hmm. like deep dive article ESPN or maybe it was The Athletic did into Florida State's program and how it got, how it went from national champions in 2000, was that 2013 to, yeah. to where they are now? No, we never, we hadn't discussed that. So it was like a big long form article. I thought it was really well done and it fleshed out what the entire power structure there is the dynamic between Jimbo Fisher and their athletic director and just kind of went into the disintegration of the program. And I read that and I was like, man, if I was a Florida state fan, this would leave me feeling so distraught and lacking short-term hope because it just seems like there are so many big picture issues there that have to be fixed that have nothing to do with recruiting football players and putting a winning product on the field. And I think all that matters, man. Like, I think it's a top-down thing from the athletic department all the way down. That's why, which we didn't talk about this last week, which is my fault. I forgot to bring it up. I love, 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 love that Josh Brooks is the new AD, right? Yeah, home run. That was absolutely stellar hire. That was absolutely the right hire. And he will be fantastic. And I think the best endorsement you can get from that is so many former athletes that worked with him just were so fired up that he got chosen. And that just says a lot to me from like a leadership perspective. If you've got all these people organizationally and from like a, 
alumni body that have buy-in. And I just thought it was a great, great move. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I also think he's got a lot of results that speak to his forward thinking, whether it be his involvement with scheduling the Notre Dame series. Um, I don't think he's gotten enough credit for how well he organized Sanford operationally for the situation this fall with COVID. Like, I just think he is going to do really, really good things. Uh, And I think him and Kirby have the potential to be a really dynamic partnership that grow that program. So yeah, I'm excited about all that. So let's, let's get to, I don't want to forget this. Let's get to coach Warren. First and foremost, jacked up for him, right? Like, yeah, dude, defensive coordinator job in the big 10. Awesome, man. Indiana had a great year last year. So you love that for him. You love that for his family. Um, Hope he just tears it up and is on his way to bigger and better things. And, you know, I think that's also good for the program too, because I think you're developing coaching staffs, no different than you're developing players in your roster. Exactly. And so if your guys keep getting hired for bigger roles somewhere else, Hey man, that's good. That's good for the program. Good for the brand. So, I mean, I think it's a win-win for everybody. I'm fired up for coach Warren and fired up for Georgia and what are, are we going to have a problem hiring an excellent defensive backs coach? Like, I, I don't know. I just, all that's going to take care of itself. I, I just, yeah, that, I that doesn't worry me in the least. Now I'm not discounting. It's an important hire, especially this year, because they're going to be super young on that side of the football at that position group. And you need somebody to coach these guys up. And, you know, you had said to me, I think off air that maybe you said it last week in the podcast. I can't remember about maybe one of the reasons Tyreek had explored going back home is because the writing was on the wall with Coach Warren. and I said you know, it on the podcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, boy, that, that turned out to be prophetic. And I wonder if that was did have something to do with it. <clears throat> um, and I would respect that because if that's your guy, right, like that's who you spend most of your time with. Yeah. And you're going to be there for one more year, maybe two. And you go, man, I got to start over with a new guy. He didn't know me. He didn't know what I like. didn't know what I want to do. He's going to put me in the best spot to have a big year. I get that. What do you think they're going to do? Well, the first thing everybody wants to go after the biggest name in this, but I mean, you remember last time the, the the names that we went after were Corey Raymond, the LSU defensive back coach, which honestly, I just don't see him leaving LSU. I don't even know if he'll be called this time because it just seems like, I mean, he may get called because he's, he has such deep ties to Louisiana, but he's, I think he's from Louisiana. Why would he leave? Um, I just, I don't see him leaving, leaving LSU unless he's, he's shown the door. And I mean, up until this year, the defensive backs for LSU, LSU have, he's just proven result after result after result. So I just, I don't see him leaving there. So, I mean, make the call, but I just, it's more of a courtesy call, you know, to get it turned, get turned down than anything else. One interesting guy that, you know, was also a candidate last time around is Derek Ainsley. He's the defensive coordinator of Tennessee, who more than likely won't have a job. He has NFL experience, if I remember correctly, with I think he was with Oakland for a while. Yep. Um, I really, really like him from a recruiting standpoint. I really don't know much about him from a coaching defensive backs because I was I, I originally thought he was going to coach Tennessee's defensive backs, but then he got the DC job. So, cause when he got hired, they just said, we're, we hired him. And then they announced that he got the DC job. So I know Tennessee was a dumpster fire on defense, but we're not asking according to the whole defense, we're just asking coach defensive backs. 
I would not be surprised if it's a higher out of complete left field. Like I would not yeah. surprise me at all because Warren came out of nowhere. No, he wasn't even on anyone's radar, and then he was the higher. So I would not be surprised at all if he's the high. If, if it, someone we just don't even know about, I I can tell people right now. A lot of people are talking about uh, the guy in Miami, Tavares Robinson. I don't see that at all. He is from Miami. He's coaching at the U. I don't. That makes zero sense for him to leave. I just. That makes zero sense. Why would he leave Coral Gables? I don't know who it's going to be, but I can tell you what uh, bullet points one, two, three, four, and five are going to be on the uh, job listing. Recruit, 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 recruit. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's going to be, I think, first and foremost, Kirby's going to hire somebody that closes. And – I just I, – I get the feeling that once you get to that level, at the college level, I, coaching is probably six and one half dozen in the other, right? Like they all know football. They all know the X's and the O's. They all can coach. It seems to me the way guys escalate, dude, it's, it's how they play with the kids and how they play in living rooms. And – that, that seems to be the separator that changes things. Like, because look, that's your, that's your player development pipeline. Like you, you have to get them to come there first before you can coach them. I think that's the, the big, big difference in dynamic from the NFL. You know, like the NFL, I think you can just be a coach because you don't have any say over who comes there. I mean, the groceries are bought and paid for. You're just cooking the meal, right? Yeah. College is different. You know, you you still a home cook. You, you're not a chef yet. You still got to buy your own groceries. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I th- but that's my thought. I mean, I did. I don't know anything about any of that stuff. I don't know who's who they're gonna go after or whatever. I just know this: Kirby ain't gonna hire him if they can't close in the living room. That that's it. I mean, that's just bottom line. I think that's been evident with most of the hires he's made on staff so far. Don't you think? Not only that, I mean, he's also hired some young up-and-comers that he's developed. I mean, Trey Scott was a relative, not unknown, but I mean, he was a he was unknown to up to the SEC, and he's developed into one of the better D-line recruiters slash coaches in college football. I mean, look at the D-line talent he's brought in and developed, you know, since he's been there. And Schumann was no Schumann was an analyst, if I remember correctly, when he got when he was brought over from from Alabama. So Lanning was a relative unknown when he came over from Memphis. No doubt. So really, if you look at it, Tucker was the known that came with him that he brought. Everyone else that he's brought really since then has kind of, you know, it's been somebody he's developed. So I trust Kirby wholeheartedly with whoever he ends up getting. If he goes with somebody proven that he doesn't have to develop because he because of everybody being so young this year and he wants just somebody that can come in and work with these kids right away. Uh, you know, I'm all for it. But I would not be surprised if he brings in someone, you know, a little bit on the younger side that has the experience coaching, but it's still, you know, a little bit greener, you know, on the recruiting side just to get and then builds them up and gets them a la Trey Scott. And then all of a sudden they take off in two years. And then they're the talk, you know, toast of the town you know, like Trey Scott has been recently. So it would not surprise me at all. All right. Last thing I want to talk about. And in all honesty, I'm kind of laughing at myself that we haven't talked about this sooner, but I think it just goes to how stacked 
the returners are going to be on that side of the football. But since the last time we taped, big time announcement, right? The Greek God of Thunder coming back. Oh, Zeus. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It, and like so I, many other things have happened, whether it be the stuff with Lanning yeah. or everything going on tangentially in the college football world with coaching hires and players shifting and transferring all that. You know, Zeus kind of, I just feel like did that a little bit similar to how he kind of carries himself on the field. Just not flashy unass- at all. Unassuming, not flashy. Business-like. But just business-like, man. And I think that's something to really admire about him. Like, he's just, he's just there to work and score touchdowns. Like, yeah. I think I tweeted out he's the Greek god of touchdowns and thunder. <laughs> so, and, no, I, I'm glad Zeus is coming back. It's it's so I've said this about our fan base so much they cannot enjoy anything like yeah. for everyone that was for every Georgia fan that was happy that Zeus come, came back there were two that were freaking out that someone was going to transfer it's like just be enjoy this enjoy this for a, a minute you know be happy for a minute for this kid who's worked his butt off to come back from the injuries that he had and he's decided to stay another year and to try to win a championship. Because, I mean, realistically, he could go to the NFL. There's no guarantee he'd get drafted, but we've talked about it last week. There is a guarantee. He will make an NFL squad because he plays special teams. He yeah. may be a third back. He may be a goal line back, but he would make an NFL roster for the fact he plays special teams, and he plays special teams well alone. So he's invaluable in that, ass- in that asset because it's at the NFL. So he could go to the league and make a team. You know something I've evaluated since he made his announcement? Because I've told you this hundred times since season is I'm shocked that he came back. I thought it was perfectly logical logical move for him to go. But after he made the announcement, I kept thinking, there's got to be a reason for it, right? And I, I don't want to discount the unfinished business thing. Like I do think they all want to band up and win a title. Like I, I think that's real and I love that. I mean, there is so much good energy around that that reminds me so much of the end of 16 leading to 17 so i'm super excited about that the other piece of it that i think is discounted to your point is dude he's a really good special teams player like look he's a he's a fantastic running back i'm not trying to throw that to the side or anything but dude he's a really really good player on special teams and will contribute on special teams in big moments next year i would put hard money on that But the other thing I thought about was, don't you think somewhere in the back of his mind, he's going, man, if I didn't have those two stinking ACL injuries, I would have tore it up my first few years playing college football. And I bet you some part of him's like, I'm going to be, what, two full years removed from the ACL. I know the system. We're going to be stacked. If he goes out and has a explosive year and they win the national title too. He could be like Najee Harris, make yourself yeah. a lot of money. So I think that's yeah. there. And so I'm interested to see, cause I think what that tells me is he's motivated for a result. And I think when you got a guy like that, with the talent he's got, who's motivated, whew, he could do something special, man. So I don't know. I, I've kind of been thinking about that. I'll be interested to see how all that plays out. And so now you just, if you're rooting for the kid now, man, I just, God, I just pray he stays healthy because that would just break my heart if he got hurt in some way. So that's he's all a kid you root for. Yes. I want him to be healthy and I want him to go out and tear it up and make a ton of money for his family. Like that's, that's what I want now. 
So, yeah, I'm happy, but I'm happy about it. And they are just going to be beyond loaded on offense. I mean, oh, that's another thing we got to talk about this. You can't forget your the big fellows up front. Nice little day for Warren McLennan today. That name, oh, yeah, fresh, freshman, freshman, freshman All American. I know yeah. that's the that's sev- seventh uh, freshman All American since Kirby's taken over. So, and dude, which is did you look impressive. at did you look at some of the names on that list? Yes, all those guys went and played in the league. All of them, every one of them, every single one of them. And I which, think are they? They're all still in the league. Uh, I believe that is accurate. I'll have to go back and look, but I am because Isaac sure Nada's Isaac Nada's on Green Bay's practice. Squad he's a, right he's now, on Green Bay's practice squad. Yes, he is. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure they're all in the league. So, so which if that's any is, kind of indicator. That's great. Which is crazy, and I, I, I this th- McClendon is he reminds me now. I know he came in as a four star, but does he not remind you? Now they play different positions on the line, but does not, he not remind you a little bit of Solomon Kinley? Comes in kind of unheralded, just as like you know, he's just a guy and he gets a job and he's just gonna kind of come in, do his job, and you're not gonna really. You're not going to notice him one way or another. He's not spectacular, but he just kind of comes in, works his butt off, and does his job. Yes. Like, dude, let I me just, tell you this. I feel like he reminds me a lot of Solomon. I feel embarrassed even saying this, but I saw the All American thing and I was like, huh, that's great. I never in a million years would have picked that. And then I thought in my brain, I was like, if I was at a bar and somebody asked me, name every single starter on the Georgia offense this year, he may have been the one I forgot. Because you just you didn't think about him because he he didn't make mistakes he you know, he never got his name called because he didn't right. make mistakes he yep. was rarely penalized and he just I mean he just did his job and that's how Solomon was it just they they like I I thought was thinking about this the other day because I was listening to a podcast where someone actually said I think it was I think it was UGA Sports podcast and someone was talking about you know quick name the five stars for the offensive line next year. And someone said that McClendon's going to really have to fight to keep his position because of the five stars come because of the five stars coming in and the five stars behind him from last year um, with Jones and, and Tate Ratledge. And then um, the gigantic one, the Marius Mims. Thank you. Which, I mean, he probably, he will have to fight to keep his job. I'm not saying he won't everybody, everybody has to work to keep their job. That's not an issue. But it just as soon as he said that, like I started thinking, I was like, that's what everyone said about Solomon Kinley every year. Every new five star, every new four star was coming to take Solomon's job. Solomon just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And now he's a starter in the league. So Dude, started, had, a, had a good had a good year. Yeah. Other than the games he was hurt, he he started every game this year for the Dolphins. So as a fifth round pick. So, I mean, the same thing. He was a fifth round pick. He wasn't expected to start. He was expected to be like a backup and started every game that he was healthy for. So, well, and in know. some ways, in some ways, I think not noticing an offensive lineman is probably the is best it, compliment you can pay the offensive lineman. It's a good thing because it means they've done their job to the point where you're just not even thinking about it, which is terrible because they should get credit for that, right? Like they should be lauded for the good job they're doing. But I think that's one of those positions where silently they would probably take pride in that. Like I'm doing my job so I don't stick out like a sore thumb. Cause I think that's one of those positions where we only know their name when they're screwing up. You know yeah. what I mean? Bad snaps, or, or, penalties. Or, or if they're just uh, you know, a character like Ben Cleveland, right? Like dude, Ben Cleveland's a cartoon character. Yeah. Like big, big country, just a cartoon character. I mean, 
well, he's, like, six- he's like he's like he's like Paul Bunyan. I feel like the myth gets bigger on him a little every year. Like well, he was he was six twelve, he was six thirteen, two hundred ninety seven thousand <laughs> pounds when he was fourteen years old. <laughs> right? Like yeah, I, I exactly. Know. It's just <laughs> which is great. Right? I'm I'm all for that. So yeah. Well, that's uh, that's that's about all I got this week. Am I leaving anything out, or did we cover about everything? Uh, we've covered everything through through today. So I'm um, God only knows what will happen over the next six days before we get a chance to chat again. So, but no, I think we're good for today. All right, brother. Well, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.